Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Kiera Morris, the founder of AMP Resources, a nonprofit organization connecting countless Oklahomans with quality mental health care and addiction treatment options. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. My guest today is Kiera Morris, who was born and raised in Oklahoma City. After graduating from the University of Central Oklahoma with her BA in Mass Communications and minor in Marketing and Business, Kira pursued her MBA at the University of Oklahoma. She has over 15 years of experience in marketing and business development, with the past seven years being dedicated specifically to the addiction and recovery industry. She's the founder of a registered 501c3 nonprofit called AMP Resources that is devoted devoted to connecting professional resources for substance abuse and mental health with those who struggle and their families. Kira has been with Stonegate since 2017 and has contributed to helping countless individuals and families get their lives back. She truly has a passion for helping others and believes she is fulfilling her true calling. Kira loves playing softball, coaching boys baseball, volunteering for several nonprofits, spending time with her husband and two boys, and is an avid University of Oklahoma sports fan. Kira, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be on it. Be so, with y'all today. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on the show. We've known each other just for a short while now through the AMP OKC group, which I'll let you tell us all about here in a little bit. And uh, it's really been good getting to know you. And so I'm glad that you were able to be a guest. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and as you may know, we start each of these episodes off with a kickoff question, and you've chosen yours, so I'll ask you that, and we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Sounds good. Okay, Kira, when did you know that you wanted to be doing what you're doing today? Absolutely. So I actually, um, I was brought into this industry um, right after I had left the dental field for about six years. Um, and I was brought onto an opportunity um, to start uh, a startup a treatment facility for women, um, an all women's 90 day treatment facility. And the guy that had interviewed me and asked me if I wanted to come on board and do the marketing um, didn't really give me a lot of information on what I would be marketing or what I would be doing. Um, just he knew that I could market and business development and that's what he did and so I actually got to meet with the doctor who was doing the program and then some of the staff and it hit me to my core Um, I literally went home that evening and it just brought up a lot of stuff in my childhood my my entire life was related around addiction and um, I knew right then that I was called into this position Um, I didn't need a job. I was actually on severance pay for my company. Um, I had a two-month-old child that I could stay home for another four months with, but I knew that this opportunity was just thrown at me literally and was like, hey, you got to take it. And so I had the opportunity to come on board and start doing marketing for a residential substance abuse treatment facility um, in Pink, Oklahoma. And um, 
I started, I was solely doing marketing and then I found myself being the one that took the calls. The calls where people are in crisis, um, you know, the, the mom on the other end or the person that's struggling on the other end and I could relate with them. Um, I knew what it felt to be, you know, a daughter or a friend or a sibling. Um, I don't personally know what it felt to be in an addiction. Um, but I do know how it feels on the other end. And so I could relate. And I was like, man, this is this is amazing. This is rewarding. I get to see firsthand the people that are, you know, struggling and their families and what they're going through. And then I get the reward of it on the other end when you get to see the people come out of treatment and they start their new life and they get reunited with their family. And so I never, ever, ever second guess my decision to do what I do. Um, I went from a marketing side of it to actually the admissions and um, getting people into treatment, and now I'm able to fulfill both of those um, simultaneously because I am outgoing. I do talk a lot. I am able to um, do a lot of marketing, and that's where my expertise is, but I also am able to relate with those who are struggling in addiction, and so I found myself to be successful in both aspects um, and put on whatever cap I need to that day, um, and it's rewarding in both aspects of it. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome. I didn't know that about you. And with all my guests, I provide them the opportunity to share at whatever level is comfortable for them. But would you be able to tell us a little bit more about your experience, your personal experience growing up with addiction? Absolutely. So um, I I don't shy away from it. I am probably not what you would want to call the black sheep of the family, but in a, in another aspect of it, <laughs> um, I, I am a sister um, of an addict. I am a, a aunt. I'm a daughter of an addict. Um, I grew up with my father in and out of my life, um, drug related. Um, and just, I had an amazing mom and amazing support, but everyone I turned around to my entire father's side of the family they were all addicts so I didn't really know that side of the family um, and then my dad popped in and every once in a while and I really just got to understand how how it affected um, you know everyone around me but more so me um, and then growing up you know sometimes you fall into uh, you know what you're born into the statistics and um most of my family did and just being alongside them and experiencing how it affects their kids and and their friends and their lives and so I when I say I've literally been around addiction my entire life I was born into addiction and I've been around addiction my entire life and so a lot of people can be judgmental in regards to oh they have the decision they have the choice to you know drink or use or whatnot and I come from a different side of it where I understand the mental health side of it and why they are doing what they're doing and that it is a disease as well as from the you know the parent side of it or the sibling side of it um daughter side of it is like why like you want to know why like why are they doing this um i'm angry they shouldn't be doing this but now being educated over the years um, and what i do i'm able to merge the two and help those people that don't understand it understand it and help those that are using or, you know, harming their family in any way, I help them understand what their family's going through. And so I can kind of meet in the middle. And it's just, it's rewarding and exciting to um, know that I can relate with those people on that level um, and from a non-judgmental position. 
Uh, you said uh, non-judgmental, and there's so many things that came up in what you just shared that I that I want to ask you more about. But let's remember that word, the non-judgmental word. That's key. I'm interested in hearing more. But um, you know, I I don't say a lot about myself during the episodes, but I am a person in long-term recovery myself from addiction, and this is uh, just over 14 years for me. And I'm really grateful for that. And so is my wife, um, you know, who went through all of that until she had had enough and left with our two daughters when they were less than one and three years wow. old. And so I've, I've got my own story that I won't share here. But uh, <laughs> as, as a person in recovery who's been the addict, uh, once I got sober and started working with other addicts and alcoholics, I started to see the other side of the coin so much better. <laughs> and <laughs> I can relate to what the insanity of addiction looks like as a, a friend, as a family member. It runs through both sides of my family all over the place. And uh, so it's been a part of my life, unspoken for a long time. And, and I'm one who, who started talking about it. And so I'm really grateful that I did. Um, but I wanted to ask you more about this idea of non-judgmental. So what did you mean when you say you can be non-judgmental about it? Yeah, so we live in a society that everyone has an opinion and everyone wants everyone to know their opinion. And people are afraid to be vulnerable um, because of being attacked by all of these people with all of their opinions and not knowing that everyone has their story. Everyone has a story. And if you looked at me today, you wouldn't think that I beat a statistic. Like you would probably think that I came from a very high class family, you know, very intelligent. I'm um, not to brag on myself or anything. No, um, but you would think something that's total opposite, like of my upbringing and my experience. And I just try to meet people on a level playing ground. Like, I don't know your story, but I want to know your story. I know that what you've done has probably affected a lot of people and what people have done to you has affected you. And so I meet them at a non-judgmental, you know, line basically and say, okay, I don't judge you. I don't want you to judge me. Let's talk openly. Like we are just brand new people. I'm not going to state my opinion. I just want to hear your story. And so when you approach people in the aspect of you're not right. You're not wrong. I just want to know you. It completely takes this huge burden off of their shoulders and they're able to be vulnerable um, and in a very scary, typically scary conversation. It's either someone's pushing them to get treatment or they finally hit some sort of, not necessarily rock bottom, but to came to a point where it's like, okay, I can't do this on my own and I need help. And so they're already scared enough and I try to take that away from them and I'm lighthearted with it, even though it's a very serious subject and it's, it's more serious than life. Um, it can take your life and, but I still try to come like, like lighthearted with it. And so they understand that I'm just an, I'm a, I'm a human at the end of the day, I make mistakes just like anyone else. And, and we're all human. And so being vulnerable and being able to confide in someone and trust someone in a one little bitty conversation that you get to have for the very first time ever. And you're telling someone your life story. The first thing I would want to hear is I get it. I'm not judging you. I just want to know what, what you've been through. And it's just like, they start talking. Yes. And that I can speak from experience too. And that's usually where that, that perspective comes from that you're describing now is through lived experience. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, 
when I started to get sober and I had people around smoky AA meeting halls <laughs> that uh, whose lives were in shambles, just like mine, and, and yet these 12 steps and their, their other um, treatment modalities that were working for them were starting to make their life better. I thought, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it can help me. And when, as they were getting honest and, and sharing really openly about really sometimes awful things that had happened in your past and their past, and there'd be laughter in the room. And I thought, these people are as crazy as I am. You know, because they understand what that darkness is and what pain and loss and confusion and uh, regret is all about. And yet they, they found some kind of way to start healing. And, and that, then I had a path to follow. So if I'm thinking I'm going into treatment and there's a person like you to meet me at the front door as a point of contact, I, I can understand that sigh of relief that used to come after taking a few drinks for me, you know, that, that really what I needed was some, some acceptance and some hard truths at the same time in order to find a new path forward. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. So tell us a little bit where, about where you do work, because I, I don't think that we've said that directly. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So if you notice here in the background, I don't know if he's going to show you video or not, but in the background, this is Hilltop for Women. Um, I work for a residential treatment facility called Stonegate Center. Um, it's in Azle, Texas, which is just about 15, 20 minutes outside of Fort Worth. Um, we have an all men, four men, by men facility, and the same thing for women, for women, by women, called Hilltop. Our men's facility is called Creekside. Um, we are Christ-centered, faith-based, 12-step immersion, co-occurring, um, but our real focus is, you know, meeting you where you are, and getting you to a better place. Um, and that's everything from a family aspect to your jobs, to your career, um, you know, your recovery, uh, your community that you're returning home to, your family that you're returning home to, it's all aspects of your life. And I, for one, um, fell in love with Stonegate back in 2014 when I originally um, went out to the facility, just because you get this sense of, oh, I'm in the right place the second you walk through the door. Um, and it's just breathtaking. It's um, awakening at the same time. It is definitely a spiritual thing. Um, I, for one, um, am growing in my faith just from working at Stonegate. I, I grew up going to church as a daycare. Um, sadly enough, the reality of a lot of kids um, go to church as a daycare. And I didn't really understand the relationship um, and the spiritual path that could be started. Um, and so when I, I came on board of Stonegate, I was still in that path of, you know, is, do I have a relationship with God? Is this something that I'm, you know, just doing because I, I like this treatment facility. And so it made me grow in my spiritual um, journey with God, just representing this facility. And so with that being said, um, I can talk all day long about Stonegate. I absolutely love it. I'm not going anywhere um, unless they kick me out the door. But uh, my, my true thing that I want to say about Stonegate is, is it is a place to set 45 to 90 days away to just take care of yourself. Um, and none of us really ever get the opportunity to get away from our phones, get away from social media, get away from news, get away from the outside world and just solely focus on ourselves. And so Stonegate allows you to do that um, and really get back to 
your purpose, your calling, what you're supposed to be doing in life. And that's what it did for me. And I never even went to treatment. Um, and so to say Stonegate um, is this miraculous place would be an understatement. Um, it, it, it's more than that. It's, it's life, a, a new beginning for a lot of people. And you won't understand that until you're actually physically in that position. So. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure and drop the, um, the links there that you mentioned in our show notes. So wherever this episode is aired on all the platforms, that'll show up. And some of our listeners may, may be thinking, Charles, I thought you said this show was for OKC Metro people who are li- living out their purpose <laughs> and making a difference. Perfect, seg- perfect segue. I'm glad you asked that. Um, because I, I want to get into AMP, AMP resources, and there's a lot going on with AMP, but tell what is what does AMP stand for and, uh, and what's going on with that organization? Yeah, well, first I want to address that I am Okie, born and raised, <laughs> right. Oklahoma City, boomer sooner, till I die. Okay, um, I'm a cowboy, but, but I'll, that's okay. <laughs> and um, so... I live, reside, eat, sleep, and breathe Oklahoma. I just represent an amazing facility that's in Texas. Sure. So, um, but as far as AMP goes, AMP stands for Addiction and Mental Health Professionals. Um, we originated back in 2015 in Oklahoma. We have since expanded to um, West Texas, DFW area, um, all the way to Arkansas, um, Northwest Arkansas. And so we've grown this platform. Um, and basically what AMP is, is we're bridging the gap. So when I started in this field, um, there there were there weren't a lot of resources that knew about other resources. They didn't talk. They it was kind of a one size fits all. If you called someone and said, "Where do I go for treatment?" they give you two places, and it's the two places that have been around since ancient history, since you know this began a thing to treat. Um, and so it really, you know, startled me that you would go to a conference or something and the people that are sitting behind the booths that are supposed to be resources for this community aren't talking to each other. They don't even know about the resource right next to them. And I got together with a girl, um, a colleague of mine, Kinsey Lyon, and uh, we decided to start this group that actually connected to resources in the community. And so what it is, is it's a networking group for professionals um, and they're able to come in and they can case manage, they can learn about other resources, they can, um, you know, actually see resources, talk to people, find the right fit for the clients that they're working with and in real time. And so what that means is we are finding that people go to Google to find a resource. They go to, you know, Psychology Today, great resource, but you don't know the, pro- you just see a profile. They're, um, they lack recommendations. Who, who's actually gone to this therapist? Who's gone to this treatment facility? We want to know firsthand because um, you can put anything on Google. And so we wanted to get away from that. Only go to this place because this is all we know. Um, and also, or just Google it. And so we developed this platform for professionals to get together and find actual resources um, so if someone called me today and, you know, they're looking for a licensed alcohol and drug therapist in Edmond, they have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance, um, they need an in-network provider, I'm able to utilize the AMP group and say, okay, this person and this person and this person are available, they're in-network with Blue Cross Blue Shield, they have exact meeting times that you need, here are their contact information, 
let me know if you don't get a response from them and we'll go to another option. You have firsthand direct referrals um, to people that are actually trusting that you know and that people that you know know have gone to treatment with these people. And so it's just taking the guessing game out of people finding resources um, by Google and you know connecting professionals in the community so they understand what each other do and knowing their wheelhouse and knowing when, okay, this person has more than what I need or the level of care that I can provide, but I have an exact resource and here's their name, their number, and it's that direct referral, direct relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's another link that I'll put in the show notes. Uh, and you know, for me, that's where we met. And this mm-hmm. was late last year, I think in maybe December, 2019, uh, maybe been the first time that we met some, somewhere around there. And that was the, <laughs> the annual Christmas party. So as, as, as people, as mental health care professionals and addiction specialists that, that you all are and that group consists of, you all also know how to have a lot of fun because yeah. those are, I mean, there's some serious issues going on there that, that everyone's dealing with on a daily basis and to just experience the joy and, and the resiliency and, and goofiness and, and all the other things. Uh, I really appreciated that. And I thought, you know what? These people are real. That, that was my first impression. There's, there's a, a real connection here. There's a, a genuine sense of, um, there's a bond. And these people are, are looking out for one another and, and trying to make things better. Those, that's how my filters are set. I'm always looking for that in groups. <laughs> so when I see that at work, I let others know about it. And um, when you described why you started the AMP resources groups, I thought that inspired me because I know we're both Okies born and raised here. (laughs) We know this and I'm not slamming our state and I don't think either one of us is, but we uh, lack a lot in terms of mental health care and addiction treatment. Mm -hmm. And there are some why you talked about bridging gaps. There are some wide gaps between those that are suffering and uh, the resources available to meet those needs. And so this is one way to begin more effectively meeting needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay, so your uh, the AMP group is not just in Oklahoma City. That's the one I'm familiar with. I knew about AMP mm-hmm. Tulsa, and I've heard, uh, of course, it's in Texas, and then you mentioned Arkansas. Uh-huh. Okay, where else? What did, what did I miss? So we have, we have AMP West Texas, which is in the Lubbock area. And okay. we've got AMP Fort Worth, of course, in Fort Worth. And then we've got AMP Dallas, AMP Oklahoma City, AMP Tulsa, even AMP Stillwater. Go Pokes! <laughs> All right, let's go Cowboys. Uh, yeah. Um, and then we've got AMP Northwestern Arkansas that kind of goes up the line anywhere from Fort Smith to Fayetteville on up Bentonville, um, Northwestern Arkansas area. I mean, we've tossed around the idea of a couple more areas, but we're kind of just still getting our feet wet in West Texas and um, Arkansas and just having the right people on the team to really facilitate those meetings and make them what we built in Oklahoma City. And so that's where our main focus is right now is not getting bigger and expanding, but just make an impact on where we are already. I love that strategy. I work with a lot of uh, leaders that are trying that are building things, and uh, whether that's a, a you know trying to build a team of of I don't know highly adaptable or creative individuals in a particular department in their organization, or kicking off a startup of some kind, a nonprofit or an NGO. 
uh, and I, I hear that those leadership qualities in you, you're making sure that you have, that you develop not just broadly, but deeply and that, that you make sure that each of those locations is effective and, and meeting really, it sounds like your core objectives, which mm-hmm. ultimately what, what is your hope? What is, what is the vision for AMP? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but what do you hope that it accomplishes? No, we, we have had a vision since day one and that is, is, even if we help one person a day, that's all we want. And with the, the amount of people that we have, we should be able to multiply that and multiply that and multiply that to where we're helping thousands of people a day. And it's not just a, here's a phone call, give this person a call, ah, see you later, let me know if you need something. This is all hands on deck, holding their hand, making sure they actually find that resource and they get the help that they need on an individual um, direct referral relationship. And so it keeps people from falling through the gaps. There's a resource out there for any need. Um, and, and we don't limit ourselves to mental health and substance abuse. Our group consists of people that help the homeless, people that provide food, people that provide clothing for people, um, everything from adolescents to geriatric. Um, it, if there's a need, we want to find a resource to fulfill that need. So you can call us. That's why we're AMP Resources and not AMP Substance Abuse and Mental Health specifically because we have tons of resources. If you need somewhere to get a hot meal and a blanket at night, we're probably going to know somebody who knows somebody that can get that for you. And so that's, we work a lot with churches and with nonprofits across the states that we're in to fulfill those needs. And so if I could tell you one mission and that that mission would be is just to find the need and find the resource to fulfill that need. And that's if we do one a day or if we do a million a day, we fulfilled what we're set out to do. Right. That's just scalability. But you but it goes back to that core mission, which is, you know, any great mission, this is my personal opinion, is really easy to understand. And what you just described is super easy to understand, you know, and that need is there. So certainly there's there's a market for it. Uh, whether that, you know, market is just individuals, uh, finding what they're looking for, um, or, you know, expanding out and having this be a model for, which would be great for, for our region and and beyond. So that's exciting stuff. Um, one of the things I did want to mention for those that may be listening and, uh, they may know that I'm a life coach and, uh, I'm going to just speak from my own side of the screen on this is that I'm just really grateful to be a part of the group because, there are some challenges that uh, exist between the professions of life coaching and mental health. And, and I understand a lot of them. My colleague, I won't say her name on air, uh, but my colleague is a psychologist. She's a counselor and we work very closely together, but we do different work. And so um, I am a part of the AMP group, but I am not a mental health care professional. I do not treat addiction, no, no substance use disorders here. <laughs> I, I don't treat anxiety or depression or any kind of uh, disorder. And so I want to say that publicly. And, uh, but I also want to say that it's really great for the opportunities to collaborate and to provide even more care and more resources. So I just appreciate uh, you having me in the group and uh, as a willing participant, it's been really cool. Definitely collaboration over competition. Right. Um, there's enough people that need help out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. Okay. So uh, speaking of competition, 
uh, softball and baseball. So <laughs> to, tell, yeah, there's a place yeah. to be competitive, isn't there? And, you know, Absolutely. so tell me a little bit about softball. We don't know each other well, but yeah, you know, when did you start and, and so what did you play? I, I want to know all of it. Yeah, I eat, sleep and breathe softball, well, sports for that matter. Okay. Um, so I started playing softball when I was four. Um, I played pretty much my entire life on, you know, if it was league ball or travel ball, um, I unfortunately was unable to play college ball. Um, I was rear-ended by a drunk driver. Um, my wow. uh, my senior year of high school, well, I didn't think I have senior year, but my junior year of high school, which was my last year of high school, um, I was rear-ended by a drunk driver. Um, and just, I was defeated um, mentally and physically um, by it. And so I was unable to play college ball and it really hit me hard. Uh, but I was able to fulfill that by playing adult co-ed and uh, all women's adult softball and so it's slow pitch and I grew up playing fast pitch and so it was a transition for me to play slow pitch but it fulfilled that need to be on the diamond need to be on the field um I'm a team player I I love all aspects of being on a team and relying on other people to win um and just the camaraderie of being out there the noise the smell the everything it fulfills all of my senses <laughs> like I need it all um if I no I'm, I'm not gonna say that I, I was gonna say if I could eat the dirt I would but that was oh just, yeah I get that I'm a baseball player I, I understand what that means yeah, sometimes you do it. if it's dry yeah, enough you, you eat it so it yeah. fulfills all the senses and I literally that is my self-care people read people do their nails people get you know massages whatever yoga softball is my thing I work all the time and if I can just take that 55 minutes and get on the field it changes my whole day um and so you obviously know how much I'm struggling right now <laughs> to do that but no, I know it it just I, I I smile and grin ear to ear um when anyone mentions ball period because it just it it fuels me um and so I know that I can put everything out there on the field um, and leave all my work and everything on my cell phone um, in my car and just have fun and live life like I was 15 again. Yeah, I, I get that. And I don't feel like that. <laughs> no, you don't feel. No, a lot of us don't. That's very honest. And and you know what? I don't either. Uh, there's plenty of good moments in in my days right now, and there's a lot of struggle. You know, a lot of mental struggle and lots of emotional ups and downs. And I, that's the norm. I mean, if we're not going through that, I'm not sure we're fully participating in our lives at this point because right. that's what everybody's going through. Uh, I did want to ask you this. What positions did you play or do you so, play? Shortstop and left field. Um, oh, no, you don't. Not. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Big arm. Okay. Um, number seven. So I have quick feet. Um, I am pretty quick to be a four nine. Or 10 if you really want to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really quick. And so I've always been that speedy, uh, you know, I can cover a lot of ground with these little legs. <laughs> yeah. So are you the leadoff hitter then if you're quick? I was in fast pitch. Um, you know, in co-ed, it's a little different. You got guys, um, but I typically, I'm who they put in if you need a runner. Um, I like to run. <laughs> I like to run bases. So. That's awesome. I was never fast, but you know, having somebody fast on your team is such an asset, and it's a lot of fun just to watch them go. Yeah, yeah. especially these little legs. I'm telling you, people literally are like, "How do you get those little legs to go so fast?" 
<laughs> okay, well, when all this stuff passes, all the coronavirus, COVID-19 passes, then I've, I've got to come see you play a game with your team. That would be a lot of fun. I'll bring the family out. So We also do a recovery uh, softball tournament in September for National Recovery Month. And softball is really big in the recovery community. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, well, I used to play softball with when I wasn't in recovery too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it has that community too. <laughs> it's a different game. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Related. What is your favorite sports movie or what are your sp- favorite sports movies? Oh God. My favorite sports movies. Remember the Titans. Okay. Hands down. And I'm not even a huge football fan unless it's OU, of course. Um, but that movie, it just carries my heartstrings. <laughs> yeah, I always loved the the natural with Robert Redford. Oh, that's a good one too. Pretty that good, really yeah. It's sort of a mythological baseball movie for. Uh, well, very cool. That's all really important stuff. So I wanted to make sure and get those questions <laughs> in, and you know, more seriously too. It's in this time of coronavirus, as we kind of hinted at and spoke at a little bit. What are some of the challenges that you're facing uh, first off? And then we'll get to, you know, what's working for you also. So what are the challenges? What's working for you to cope and get through? Yeah. So I have a huge challenge of balancing a career and being a mother to a six-year-old and a now just as of last week, one-year-old. Yeah. Um, And as you know, schools are out, no daycare. um, And I still have to put in 40 plus hours. And you know, our jobs don't, they're not eight to five. Um, they don't stop. We we technically live an on-call life. Um, whenever there's a crisis or something, we have to be readily available. And um, we technically live with our phones in our hands pretty much all the time. We're setting some healthy boundaries, but that is just what we do. That's what our calling is. And so I really struggle with balancing the two um, and still maintaining not having guilt of not being able to be my son's teacher or to occupy his every moment or um, to not feel like I'm fulfilling my career duties if I go outside and play catch with him for an hour. And so I used to have a a pretty good routine going on and I've kind of lost that routine as a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, be healthy, practice healthy, you know, routines. And it's like, that's great. You can say it all day long, but until you have the job that I have or, or the kids that I have or, or in my life situation, you can't talk on it because it, it is different. <laughs> and people say it's not different. It is different. Yes, it like, is. You know, I mean, you probably had to block your kids off just to do this podcast for an hour or so. Me, I had to send my husband outside with mine. So I make sure there wasn't any noise in the background. And so it's just I'm really struggling with finding a good balance and a, and a quote unquote, a routine that works for me. Right. And you know what, there's going to be uh, a lot of folks that hear this. I think I'm getting some feedback. Can you hear it on your end? Uh-huh. No. Okay. Well, maybe it won't come in through in the recording. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of folks that hear this podcast that can relate to what you're saying right there. The idea of, of feeling guilt about one or more roles that, you feel that you can't fulfill in the way that you would like to. And then if, if you sacrifice one role so that you can do this other one, that you're always kind of caught in between and it's, it can seem like a losing game. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what, this is what I tell, I don't give a lot of advice, but one way to frame it for those that I speak to is that it's, it takes time. A lot of us want all of this to work out right now and for all of our routines to be figured out 
and everything to be comfortable. And it's not going to be, you know, it's, it takes time to find those uh, ways of doing, let alone healthy ways, but just ways of getting stuff done uh, in this kind of chaos and disruption until then, once you know that you can get stuff done, then you can kind of balance it and find healthy routines on the go. <laughs> but there's, there's millions of people that we're just trying to get through and do the best we can and include this, that, and the other, but we're not getting it all done. And we don't feel great about the things that we're not getting to as well. Well, I've kind of started to practice a little bit about what I preach or yeah. that we preach in the recovery community is one day at a time. Right. Um, I wake up and I might have a schedule, but the realization is, is things happen out of my control. I was supposed to start this call with you at three. We had to push it back to 3.30. Um, and so it's just the reality of what we do um, every single day can be just altered, like taken out away from us immediately. And we just have to kind of learn to roll with it. And so I've, that's what I've been practicing a lot more is, is I'm a pretty adaptable person. I, I tend to roll with the punches. I, I don't try to get anxious or stressed out because there's things out of my control. Um, and so I've been practicing that a lot more um, and just apologizing when I can't be present and, you know, jumping to the next thing, prioritizing, 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 prioritizing. Um, and so it's hard. I mean, it's every, every step, every decision, every day is different. Yeah. Well, in the 12 step language, you know, they say one day at a time and they also say first things first. And that's the priority piece. That word prior, that's a word I talk about a lot. It means before. Uh, and the priorities has the word before in it. And so it's really being intentional about what matters most, what needs to get done first, and putting those two together in line with our values and making those into priorities. And, and one simple way that I'm sure you're doing and others can use is just to know what matters most on a daily basis. You may have to figure it out in the morning. I'm just telling our listeners. <laughs> And, and make sure that lines up with what either is your responsibility or something that you really care about. Decide when it needs to get done and make sure and put it on your calendar and make it a check, checklist or something, whatever works for you and make that a priority. That's one simple way to do it. It may not be in your routines, but at least it's getting done, you know, That's right. and that, that accomplishment <laughs> helps with some of that guilt and those other feelings that may stick around otherwise. Well, okay. So in terms of um, adaptability and being in the throes of all of this, what are some of the things that you're doing now that you're able to do since you're at home that you weren't able to do before? <laughs> well, if anyone knows me, they know I do not cook. Um, my family, um, we don't eat fast food either. We eat out a lot. Um, and so this was a huge transition for us to really, my husband's a great cook, um, although he doesn't want to cook all day, every day for us, three, four meals a day. Um, so I've kind of challenged myself to start cooking or at least trying to put something on the table. Um, and so last night I, I took it upon myself to make uh, chicken fajitas and they turned out amazing. My kids ate them, my husband ate them without complaining. And so it was a win for me. Um, and so that's something that I've done a little bit different. Um, and then another thing that I've learned to do different is to communicate my needs. Um, before, I wouldn't communicate. I would just, I have a need. I'm going to go do it. I need to take my car. I'm going to do it. Like I would 
just decide to do something and get it done because I'm a very task-oriented person. And now I'm finding that I'm not able to do that. And so I'm really learning to communicate my needs, writing them down, putting a plan into place, and learning alternative ways to get things done that are out of my control. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. And for those that may be really structured and they have just a few ways of getting things done, it can be really, really disruptive. Uh, for those that may have habits that are they're, they're real, like clockwork right now. And I know I've spoken with some folks. I'm pretty structured, but I, I can go with the flow. I can put uh, new habits in place and, and things, but I do like, I do like to know what's coming. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an intuitive and I'm a, like a visionary creative type personality. And it's really hard not to be able to see into the future right now and see how could it be better or what, what are the dangers to look out for? And my mind tries to, tries to play with that all day long and tries to figure things out. And I have to, I have to be mindful, you know? So one of the things that I'm doing is I've, I've got an app. I haven't had mindfulness apps ever because I'm like, I don't want to look at my phone more than I need to, uh, but I'm looking at it all the time now. So uh, with the mindfulness app that I have now, that's been really helpful the last couple of days to, to help technology be my friend <laughs> instead of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 25 Zoom questions that I have on a daily basis <laughs> and <laughs> all these notifications uh, and all the vulnerability, you know, I like to, I like to know what I'm going to say and what I'm going to look like on a video and what I'm going to sound like. I don't always get that privilege right now. So right. <laughs> uh, it's been a learning curve for me too. I've been having, I've happened to adapt in all kinds of new ways. Well, that's awesome. So when you say communicate your needs, can you give us just maybe one or two examples of what that might look like? Yeah. So before I would, um, you know, if as a mom, we tend to just do whatever we think we need to do um, and when we need to do it and um, we, we can take it all on. We don't need help. We just do it. And here lately, because I've had to do so much um, you know, with everyone being home, everyone at the same time, everyone has needs, everyone's mental health is, you know, even my children, they don't even understand mental health, but they're displaying all sorts of different signs of different things that they're going through. And it's, um, I'm having to stop and communicate to my children and let them understand mommy isn't able to be with you right now because she has to take the Zoom call or this Zoom meeting and you have to be quiet because mommy's working right now and just explaining things on a level um, that I wouldn't normally have to. And then again, explain to my husband when I, I need you to take the kids for two hours, I need to just sit in silence and just do that. Like where normally I would just do whatever I needed to do, go and go play ball or I'm having to communicate my feelings a lot more and my needs where I normally wouldn't do so it it's those are just a couple instances and even down to my team I have a team at Stonegate um they rely on me to keep keep things positive keep us motivated keep us going um and where normally I could send a report or send a few emails um I'm having to be a lot more vulnerable and and you know get on the level of okay the reality is is we're all going through this how are we going to get through it as a team? Um, when, when someone is struggling, let's get there. Let's be there. Let's be present and communicating that I myself am not okay. Um, and it's okay to not be okay. 
Um, and typically I would want to be the strong person and not display a lot of that. Um, but now I feel like this gave me the opportunity to be more vulnerable with my team and understanding of we're all going through the same thing and we all handle it different um, and just communicating that to them. So they, they understand that you can call me and tell me, hey, I am not being very creative today. I have hit a wall. Um, I don't know what else to do. I have no meetings on my calendar. No one wants to talk to me or set up meetings. What do I do? And then we can just chit chat and brainstorm and plan for the future. And um, just having that open line of communication is, has been amazing. So that's you awesome. know more. Right. Yes, you do. Um, that's awesome. Thank you for going there and sharing that. That's going to help a lot of folks. And, you know, it helps me. It resonates with me. And I mean, you, you, we get to, here's the opportunity that we have right now, especially if we have family at home, you're going to get to know yourself a whole lot better, or you're mm -hmm. going to keep up the fight for a long time and get really miserable. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the way that you're doing it and I love the, the idea of, of the vulnerability that you mentioned earlier, um, these are my words for what I'm hearing from you now is having the courage or just the need to, to let people know what's really going on, to be honest mm -hmm. about your feelings and your needs uh, is so super important for the reasons you described. But then also it gives people permission to say the same thing for themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's an example. We're trying to do that around the house. We have two teenage daughters. And, and, and we're, you know, we're not always at our best and we're letting each other know and we have conversations about that and, and it's okay to have ups and downs throughout the day in our house. Okay. Well, Kira, any closing remarks, words of wisdom, thoughts, we're in the coronavirus. We've got a lot of challenges, but just what do you want to end on today? I want to end on this and I've been thinking long and hard. I'm actually about to do a video on it myself. Um, because it, it's just something that I want to share. And that is, I'm, my house is not clean. I'm not giving myself all these projects. I'm not doing all of these things that you see everyone doing. Um, I'm not picking up the next TikTok challenge. I am literally just breathing and taking every moment for what it is, rolling with the punches, I am trying to find light at the end of the tunnel, like everyone else is. Um, and I'm just trying to fulfill myself with positive things. And if that means not doing my dishes for two days, it's okay. If that means my children haven't taken a shower in two days, that's okay. If that means that I have 20, to, 20 things on my to-do list for work and 20 things on my personal to-do list, and I only get to two things a day, it's okay. Like it is going to be okay. There's a light at the end of the tunnel and just take this time and learn more about yourself. I love it. There's, no, there's nothing I can add to that. Kira Morris, thank you so much for being my guest today. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Charles. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, 
visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.